Welcome to Anchor Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am an associate professor of pharmacy practice at the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. I'm recording this on March 16th on Monday uh, from my house. Um, I had talked about, uh, you know, last week that this week I'd be doing a HOPA recap pod. Uh, HOPA ended early, uh, so doing quite a bit of working from home. So this is kind of an urgent release uh, podcast about uh, COVID-19 and patients uh, on chemotherapy. So what I want you to think about is, um, and disclaimer, I'm not a public health expert. I'm not an infectious disease expert. Uh, So this is uh, really just food for thought, hopefully, and hopefully you can take some stuff away from this. Um, But all best estimates and analysis suggest that here in the United States, as of, uh, you know, March 16th, we're about 10 days behind Italy in uh, the the COVID-19 running uh, its course through our communities. Uh, Places like Seattle apparently are already um, very packed uh, with their hospitals and ICU. So what I want you to think about is a patient today getting R-CHOP uh, for diffuse arch B-cell lymphoma or whatever, uh, or AC, or whatever chemotherapy regimen you come up with. <clears throat> Ten days from now, uh, they're going to come into an emergency room with neutropenic fever. And so will a whole bunch of other people overwhelming potentially your local ER uh, with COVID-19. And we do know um, that the death rates are a little bit higher in cancer patients in the general population from data we've seen uh, from China. And in general, with uh, what our public health experts from the CDC are saying with regards to social distancing, we should all be uh, as far away from people as we reasonably can for as long as we can until, uh, until more patients uh, have recovered from this and there's more immunity in the community and things like that. So what I have are... Uh, some ideas for ways that we can help patients on active treatment um, stay home and help to flatten the curve. Uh, you know, it's pretty obvious that healthcare uh, systems uh, are going to n- stop doing elective procedures. Okay, patients on chemo are not on elective treatment. Okay, it's it's to save their life or help them live as long as possible. There's no such thing uh, as elective treatment, but. There are some ideas uh, that I have. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, the podcast at OncoFarmPod, I uh, kind of brainstormed some ideas uh, this weekend uh, in the middle of watching Outbreak uh, from 1995. Um, uh, so here are, here are some of these ideas. So just kind of going through a list, starting with breast cancer patients. Uh, not a whole lot we can do uh, maybe with chemo there. Maybe you can use, you know, you could go from, say, weekly paclitaxel to uh, the dose-dense paclitaxel of 175 every two weeks with GCSF support. <clears throat> that could be an option. You know, generally, if you're doing dose-dense AC every two weeks, you're not going to change to every three weeks because there's a reason you're doing dose-dense AC. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. But some of the patients, whether it's with breast, prostate, uh, myeloma, uh, any solid tumor with bone mets, uh, is probably going to be on uh, a bisphosphonate um, once a month. And at least in breast cancer, we have pretty good data that shows that every three-month bisphosphonate is non-inferior to every month. That can g- save a patient two months from coming back into clinic. And hopefully things can subside and their risk of going out uh, into a healthcare facility would be lower then. Uh, additionally, if they've been on a bisphosphonate for more than two years, <clears throat> do we still need to continue that bisphosphonate? Bisphosphonates have a very long half-life in the bone and continued use beyond two years. 
Maybe it's not uh, any more effective than just two years of treatment. So reassess that. Similar to when you see a patient uh, in your, your Amcare clinic who's been on warfarin for seven years for a provoked VTE, you're like, do we still need to continue this warfarin, for example? So reassess that. Uh, caveat, patients on denosumab, uh, you just should not stop that. Uh, denosumab does not continue to work, so to speak. doesn't have a long half-life in the bone, so once you stop denosumab, uh, you know, you're going to start to have a whole lot of uh, or accelerated bone loss uh, after stopping denosumab that you wouldn't see after stopping a bisphosphonate. Similar idea for patients with prostate cancer with their bisphosphonates. Uh, additionally, the, their, their Luprolide, so their Lupron, uh, those doses, maybe they're given uh, hopefully not monthly, but if they're every three months, could that be extended every four months or even every six months uh, instead of coming in every three months? Um, for our patients on immunotherapy, you know, uh, if they're on every two-week nivolumab, switch them to every four-week nivolumab, considered equivalent. Uh, there is an every six-week regimen of pembrolizumab if they're on single-agent pembro or Keytruda. Um, however, that, that six-week regimen, uh, from my limited understanding, all I know, it was submitted to the FDA for a label update to be given every six weeks, and the FDA shot it down, <clears throat> denied that approval. And I think that had to do with it being based on a lot of uh, PK modeling and not a ton of patient level data. Uh, there is, so we use a lot of that in our non-small cell lung cancer patients, as well as, you know, every other malignancy potentially. Uh, I heard an idea about if you have small cell lung cancer and you're getting a platinum etoposide, that maybe your day two and three etoposide could be given PO. Uh, that is a possibility. Uh, just keep in mind that early etoposide has variable absorption, so you could have unpredictable toxicity doing that. Uh, your colon cancer patients in the adjuvant setting, so your stage three colon cancer patients, generally accepted that uh, you know six months of Kpox or six months of Folfox, and we're not getting the idea paper idea paper here about you know three weeks and it's non inferiority sort of stuff um, with the capecitabine uh, regimen. So in general, Kpox or Folfox. Well, Kpox is in every three week regimen with a higher dose of oxaliplatin, and Folfox is in every two week regimen. So if you put someone on Kpox instead of Folfox, they come in every three weeks instead of every two weeks. You cut down their healthcare visits uh, to the infusion suite by 50%, uh, helping to flatten the curve, hopefully. Uh, a great idea, you know, a lot of insurers these days are requiring patients to get the biosimilar pegfulgrastum the day after chemo. Um, but it might be worth uh, advocating and funding with the insurance companies to get uh, Nulast on pro paid for so that it can be applied the day of chemo and save that patient a trip out uh, the following day. And then also keep in mind, uh, you know, our, our general supportive care measures. Maybe we can be a little bit more aggressive with that in the time being so that that RCHOP patient hopefully doesn't come into the ER 10 days from now and get infected with COVID-19 and then go home and infect other folks. That's the whole idea of flattening the curve is to slow the spread uh, of this uh, coronavirus through our population. So some of those things might include... Um, uh, maybe being a little bit more liberal with our use of, of white blood cell growth factors to prevent neutropenic fever. Maybe even, uh, you know, like your RCHOP patients, not just growth factor, but maybe even some prophylactic antibiotic like levofloxacin for your high-risk folks to prevent uh, neutropenic fever. Uh, maybe being a little bit more aggressive for our chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting prevention. We know some patients come into the hospital or ER because of, uh, you know, delayed nausea and vomiting. It's, it's rare, but it, it does happen. But remember, Patients are still going to have neutropenic fever. They're still going to have DVTs and PEs while on chemo, and they're going to come to the hospital, and our healthcare resources will be stretched thin. Uh, you could anticipate potentially doctors, nurses, pharmacists being asked to uh, work uh, more hours than they're used to. 
Um, I know our kids are going to be home from school for three weeks following spring break, uh, which means I will not be able to be uh, as present. Uh, And the same is going to happen to nurses uh, and doctors as well. So anything we can do to decrease strain on the healthcare system is going to be helpful. For those of you involved in patients on oral chemo, especially starting uh, new drugs, maybe be more vigilant in your phone calls uh, to, to help prevent them from, from an admission or coming in uh, to the hospital. Uh, anything we can do to try and decrease the burden um, for everything until we get through, hopefully, uh, not just a couple of weeks, but probably a couple of months if we're being uh, realistic with ourselves. Um, so that's those are just some ideas. I'm sure there are other great ideas that uh, that we haven't come up with in a little brainstorming session we had on Twitter. Um, but I encourage all of you to listen to your public health officials, do what you can, and um, uh, remember, doses matter. Mm-hmm.